Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. You know, as a RA QA professional in the medical device industry, uh, there's a lot going on, frankly, and I think it's a good idea to uh, keep your finger on the pulse. And, you know, some of you listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast, you you may be um, looking for new opportunities or maybe you're curious about where you are and the growth opportunities within your organization. And I'm really excited about this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. I have uh, Mitch Robbins. Mitch is with the Anthony Michael Group. And uh, he is a recruiter, and he talks with employers. He talks with RAQA candidates in the medical device industry all day, every day. And so he hears a lot of, of questions, really good questions. And so on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, Mitch and I dive into some of those questions, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And um, I've been looking forward to this one because, um, I've frankly, I've, I've grown quite fond of our guests today over the past few months that I've had an opportunity to, to work and interact with them. So my guest today is Mitch Robbins. Mitch is the founder and managing Director of the Anthony Michael Group. So, Mitch, welcome back to the Global Medical Device Podcast. John, thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me back. Absolutely. And, folks, one of the things that I've really uh, appreciated about my relationship with Mitch and the Anthony Michael Group is, um, yeah, they do recruiting for the medical device industry. They have a specialty in regulatory and quality resources. And and I've you know I've been in this industry for well over 20 years, hard to believe. And I've you know during that course of time, I've interacted and worked with a lot of different recruiters. And Mitch, I'm gonna have to say that that I feel like you pay paid the closest, uh, uh, most um, in depth and in tune attention to our needs as a business. So I appreciate you for that. So well, that's uh, probably one of the most. Uh, Sincere compliments you can provide. I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, you're welcome. Pleasure's all mine. And you know, I know that um, uh, you, uh, you you talk to a lot of people, a lot of companies who are looking for good people. Your focus is very much on the medical device industry. I, I think you have a, a very good handle on all the changes. Uh, or at least enough of the changes that are happening in the industry. I'm not sure any of us has a, a, a good feel of all the changes, but you understand that it's, it's a very dynamic environment right now. There's a lot of things happening in FDA, a lot of things happening in the EU, and, and it feels like now more than ever, uh, I think regulatory and quality professionals, uh, it's time to, to sharpen our skills. Oh, there's no doubt. I think uh probably now is one of the most critical times. With all the changes happening, I think the more that you can hone in on on some of the uh the pieces that are are gonna be so vital uh going forward, the further ahead you're gonna be in the game. And I thought we could take a moment. I mean I, I know your you your lens is um you talk to a lot of uh job seekers, people who are out there looking for opportunities, but you're also obviously talking to a lot of companies who are looking to hire uh, RAQA professionals. And I thought we could maybe dive into some of the top 
RAQA candidate questions that you've heard so far in 2019? Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, you know, we as an organization, like you said, have the the pleasure of talking with so many different uh, walks of life, people who are, you know, they've been in their role 20, 30 years and they're looking to get into uh, uh, consulting maybe. Uh, there's those who are gainfully employed but recognize this isn't their last stop along the career ladder. And so if there was an opportunity out there that did create an enhancement they at least want to know. And then there's people who unfortunately found find themselves in a position where they, they need a job yesterday. And so uh, by having the opportunity to talk with uh, all these different RAQA professionals, obviously we've here, uh, they open up to us uh, and, and present, um, you know, what's going on both personally and professionally. We've kind of narrowed it down to, uh, to some of the most common questions we've been hearing this year. All right, and, and you did send me those questions uh, ahead of our conversation today, and I've had some time to think about it, but but I thought I would ask these questions, and, and let's just um, let's see what we can learn. I, I always learn something when I talk to you, and I, I'm no pressure, but I'm expecting to learn a thing or two from Jeff. <laughs> um, yeah, no pressure at all, right, John? Yeah, none. None. Um, uh, the first question I think is is probably top of mind for a lot of folks, especially those who might be wondering if the grass is greener somewhere else. But uh, salary, how does my salary as a RAQA professional compare to my peers in similar positions across other organizations? Yeah, so, you know, there's it's a very common question, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, one of the things that we're doing is trying to provide a, a real-time update. Um, we're trying to do this 2019 RAQA uh, salary survey, and we've been collecting data all year, and uh, hopefully I can release the, uh, release the results early 2020. In the meantime, uh, one of the things that we've done recently is partner with RAPS, uh, the Regulatory Affairs Professional Society, and they have a very, very robust uh, salary survey. Um, that's as most recent as last year. So I would encourage everybody listening to check out uh, RAPS.org and check out their most recent salary survey. It breaks it down to uh, demographics, to position, to so many different uh, metrics that they used in their salary survey to the point where I was like, oh, my gosh, this is way more robust than we were doing. So in conjunction with them, uh, I think between us is a really good resource. And then there's other public avenues like Glassdoor. I, I hesitate to even bring that up because sometimes I don't know if it's as accurate as it should be. Um, but that's another resource. And then I think uh, I'm sitting here brainstorming if there's anything else they would want to include. I really feel like the RAP salary service is probably the most accurate because it's up to date and it's directly from the industry. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And um, perhaps if there's a, a link um, that uh, we can share with folks, get that over to me and we'll try to include that with the uh, the audio and, and a little bit of text that we include with the audio on that. Um, you, you know, do, you, do you find that you know salary is is the right um, metric or the right thing to, to use as sort of a, a KPI or a measurement for, for an RAQA professional? Um, in what sense? Say more. I mean, so like, let's say I'm um, I'm curious about what opportunities are out there for somebody with my experience and my skill set. Uh, I mean, is salary the right thing that I should be looking at? 
No, oh, that's a great uh, point. So what I tell people is over the course of my career, and I've been doing this going on a little over 11 years now, I've identified really four or five key areas that people take into account when they're making a change. And if, and if you uh, believe it's something else, I want you to push back on me. But I've identified it to be the location, the scope of responsibility, uh, the people that you're going to work with, the culture of the organization compared to where you're at today. And then I would add in, in the medical device space, sometimes it's the type of technology or the therapeutic area. And what I tell people is usually if we can make these four or five fundamental factors work, we can make, or excuse me, if we can make them line up with what your aspirations and your interests and, and your passion and your values are, we can make the money work. So I would, anybody who's making, considering making a change primarily because of the money, I would encourage them to, to talk with their current organization, see what they can work out there first, because chances are, if you make a money, excuse me, make a move with money being the primary reason, you're not going to be happy anyways. You're going to end up looking for another change. Yeah, so that's how I, think, I would answer. Yeah, I think that's really insightful. I mean, I I think um, I remember, you know, speaking personally, I remember I'll say early on in my career, I was pr- probably I, I think that this is pretty natural, but. The first after a first few years on my first job, I, I had a curiosity, and let's just say I I, uh, I dipped my toe in the water, uh, and I I talked to a few other companies, and and um, you know I found that I could make more money somewhere else, and it involved uh, relocating not only myself but uprooting my family. I had young children at the time, and we were going to be. F- much further away from from friends and family and our social network um and i didn't really know if the the salary was going to be worth it because i really didn't have a sense if that was the sort of place that i wanted to work I, so i started to realize at that point in time job satisfaction is became really important to me oh it's huge i'll give you a real life example this happened 2 weeks ago we were uh, working with a candidate who is making roughly $40,000 more than the uh, role that we were working on and, and uh, representing. But he was on the road every single week, Monday through Thursday, and it was taking a toll on him. It was taking a toll on his family. Um, and he found a variety of um, uh, things about this opportunity that we were working on to be an enhancement for him. One of the major things being home with his family. And he was willing to take a cut to make it happen. So, yeah, I definitely think that there are uh, these other factors that are uh, most certainly way more important for the long term over salary. Yeah. All right. So um, you do a lot of work with uh, companies of all shapes and sizes. Um, You do a fair amount of work with earlier stage and startup companies, too, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can imagine that a, an RAQA professional that's working for, you know, one of the big boys or larger companies, more established companies in the med device space, that uh, looking at at uh, working with a startup might be perceived as too risky. What do you think? Yeah, I would say be careful uh, prejudging the situation. You know, I think every startup is in a different situation, and, and that said. My biggest recommendation is do your homework. And so um, I would offer up, I guess, maybe some questions to take into consideration. <clears throat> One of them being, you know, what does the organization's uh, financing look like? Is the company on the verge of an IPO or 
what does the company's runway look like as far as financing moving forward? And you can gather that by doing some uh, research on the internet. You can look for press releases as far as how they're being funded. You can talk to the organization directly throughout the interview process and really try to understand that piece as much as possible. Um, in the RAQA world, where is the company at from a regulatory standpoint? Uh, is there a potential approval coming up? Or where are they at in the regulatory process? Um, what does their product pipeline look like? What's the interest in the marketplace for the company's type of product? How novel is it? These are all questions that you know you can take into account so that you can make the best uh, educated decision. I would say every circumstance is different. Everybody has their own risk tolerance. But before you make that decision, especially if you're coming from a much larger company, I would say do your research, talk to some people you know, trust and respect uh, before making the judgment that it, it's too risky. That's my opinion. Okay, and and I gotta imagine that um, sometimes, probably more common with startups and and, and earlier stage companies that, that some of those companies may be willing to offer, uh, you know, they're probably gonna there's probably a better chance that their salary may not be you know the same as what you're getting might be a little bit lower, but they may try to offset that with equity. Is is that a good idea? So this is something that we get asked all the time, especially if people are coming from larger organizations and aren't used to this idea of, of true equity in a company. You know, they say, what's better, going for a higher salary or, or uh, equity? And I would say it's a personal question that has a lot to do with risk tolerance. Um, I would say analyze your personal and family uh, situation, your monthly budget, et cetera, so that you can figure out, okay, bottom line, what do we need to make? Uh, to still have a similar lifestyle, money uh, salary-wise, um, I would say, are you one who's more risk tolerant for the greater good of the the would-be and could-be reward, or are you more risk-adverse? Um, you know, most executives of startups they want their employees to share in the risk because if they're also going to share in the reward, there's got to be some risk on their end as well. Um, what I found negotiating these these packages, you know, in these placements is more often than not, you can strike a balance between the two, equity and salary, uh, regardless of the phase or, or the size that the company is in. Um, so I do think it's personal, but I really think that uh, uh, trying to strike a balance between the two is the best way to go. Yeah, I had a situation uh, that I was faced with, gosh, it was probably... 10 years ago, I, I don't remember exactly, but a while back where um, uh, I was doing some work with a startup and and the opportunity to get an equity stake was was extended as part of a compensation package. And, you know, it sounded really awesome. You know, like, oh, wow, I get equity. And, you know, I, I didn't... I didn't. I wasn't very educated on that topic, um, and uh, fortunately, I have you know good folks that I work with. I talked to you know my accountant. I talked to my attorney, and they gave me some good good uh, follow up questions. You know, asking how many shares have been issued, and uh, and there's a, there's some core basic questions that one can ask to, to better educate themselves on what does this equity really mean, and and, and that sort of thing. Um, I think another thing that I learned over time that I think will be helpful for folks if they're if they're in those situations 
is understand the business um, that that you're you're talking to. Understand what their model is. Understand you know their their path to to revenue and and you know what what sort of uh, uh, what's the health of their business and do they have a product that you can get behind and is there a market for those sorts of things? I think you know it's it's really important to do your homework when you're faced with those equity opportunities. You, what you just said is gold. I mean, there's so many terms that uh, if you're not used to it, you you have no reason to know what it is. So surrounding yourself with people who can uh, guide you and give you some questions to ask, like you just said. I mean, for example, the term strike price, a lot of people don't know what that means. Or, you know, does the company have a true exit plan? People don't necessarily know what that means. So I think, like you said, the number one takeaway is educate yourself. And if somebody's offering you equity, what does that really mean? And can that turn into something that you can realize? Yeah, I think it could be, there could be huge upsides for sure. So do your homework. I mean, there's core basic questions. Um, you know, if you have, if you need a little bit of help or guidance on that, I'm sure you can reach out to, to Mitch, uh, for follow-ups, uh, after you listen to this, or you can reach out to me and I'd be happy to point you to some, some key questions that would be worth asking if you're faced with those opportunities. Uh, folks, I want to remind you that I am talking with uh, Mitch Robbins. Mitch is the founder and managing director at the Anthony Michael Group, uh, an excellent recruiting firm that uh, works uh, a great deal in the med device industry, ha- definitely has their finger on the pulse, especially for RIQA professionals. Uh, if you're considering a career change, uh, I would encourage you to reach out to to Mitch and the Anthony Michael Group. If you're an employer looking for good people, Mitch is going to bring them to you. So uh, also worth talking to them. And you can find out more about the Anthony Michael Group. It's all one word, theanthonymichaelgroup.com. No spaces, no hyphens, all one word. And folks, while I'm, I'm taking this brief pause, I want to r- remind you all that, um, yeah, you're listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast, and I appreciate that. And please continue to, to do so and share this uh, podcast with uh, friends and colleagues. We are the number one podcast in the medical device industry, and that's because of you, our faithful listening audience. And one thing you might not have realized is uh, recently, earlier this year, Greenlight Guru, we launched a second podcast. It's called MedTech True Quality Stories. And it's a bit of a different twist, a bit of a different spin, and, and frankly, some of the most fun that I get to have in, in the role that I serve in at Greenlight Guru. But I get to talk to uh, medtech executives, CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs, people who are you know have a wonderful idea for a brand new product that's going to change humanity for the better. And these people are sharing. They're very candid stories about some of the obstacles and challenges, funding and quality and regulatory. So I would encourage you to go check out MedTech True Quality Stories wherever you're listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Just do a quick search. You'll be able to find MedTech True Quality Stories. All right. So um, back to a few more questions, Mitch. So, you know, let's let's imagine that I am that RAQA person. Uh what can I do to improve my uh, visibility within uh, the organization to set myself up for promotion? So maybe, maybe I'm considering a career move, but maybe to your earlier point, maybe there's there's a great opportunities with where I'm at. So what can I do to increase or improve my visibility within the organization for promotion op- opportunities? And I guess I could be inside or outside the, the company that I'm in. So there's a lot of passion in my answer uh, to this question because it was asked so much. It was actually one of the primary uh, reasons I set up uh, 
our podcast, RAQA Today. Um, on that show, I'm, I'm constantly interviewing best-in-class regulatory and quality leaders from across the industry on a variety of topics, but the primary goal is to overcome, help RAQA uh, professionals overcome real-world business and career challenges. And I had gotten to probably 25 uh, episodes or so, and I started reflecting on all the conversations from those episodes. And one of the things I consistently heard uh, was that you have to take risk. Uh, each one of these VPs are above. So they were either chief regulatory officers or VPs of regulatory or quality. They all, almost all of them hands down said, you have to take risk in terms of the types of projects you get involved with. So when you're delivering outcomes internally in your own role and you're comfortable with the objectives at hand, you know, myself and, and all these executives uh, encourage you start taking, start sticking your neck out and asking what other projects could you become involved with? It's only going to increase your visibility at a higher level, which is going to allow you more opportunity to demonstrate your skill set and, of course, your, your ability to deliver. And in turn, it's going to help you create the promotional opportunities you're looking for, both internally because your, your name is going to be uh, known across the organization at a higher level and, I would say, across a, a wider set of, of in the, uh, influential individuals. But then also it's going to help you create uh, more outcomes that you have on your resume when you're interviewing externally. I, I think that's sound advice. Um, I, I think um, another question that that is a good one, uh, if you're not an RAQA, like if you're an engineer and you're marketing or sales, I think sometimes that RAQA kind of gets lumped together as one and the same. And you know, maybe for a lot of smaller companies, um, the same person has both RA and QA responsibilities. I've been there. I guess arguably I'm doing that today in, in my capacity at Greenlight. But there is a difference, um, especially as you start to get in larger organizations. Quality is, is one functional area and regulatory is a very different functional area. So what if I'm in quality and I want – I'm curious about possibly transitioning to regulatory or maybe even in regulatory, and I have an interest in in uh, transitioning to s- some more quality type of role. How do I make that transition? Yeah, I'm interested to gain your perspective just because of all, all your relevant experience uh, in this vein. But what I would say is the, the path of least resistance uh, is to stay with your, your current organization rather than trying to make the transition elsewhere. You're a quote-unquote known commodity, and I think you'll have more credibility making this functional transition versus – uh, somewhere else where you haven't proven yourself yet. So um, what I would say is continue to volunteer for additional projects that give you more exposure to the team you'd like to join. So whether, you know, you're trying to join quality or trying to join uh, regulatory, I would go to your manager and, and gain that person's blessing, uh, making, you know, your desire known. And, and if you're doing a great job and the manager is a good leader, I think they would be supportive of that. Because uh, a manager's whole goal is to uh, to bring up their people and, and provide opportunities. That's my opinion. Um, so if if your manager knows that you've taken this interest or garnered a passion for another function, uh, with that support, I think you can dramatically improve the probability of gaining a credible endorsement to the hiring manager on the other team. So I would say definitely be proactive, make your intention known, uh, continue to to um, uh, you know, stay top of mind 
so that when opportunities on that team come available, you know, you're the first person they think of. I would say every organization would love to continue to promote its own people in one way, shape, or form or retain its own people. And I think um, an organization that has a pipeline of strong talent, especially internally, is never a bad thing. Totally agree. And in speaking specifically in my world here at Greenlight Guru, uh, you know, what we try to do is is um, try to understand what it is that that employee, what it is that they want to be when they grow up, so to speak, and and um, try to build a development plan to help them achieve that. And, you know, I think it's very easy, but also very myopic to only think about the growth opportunities that are within the functional group that you're currently reporting. Sometimes it's good to think across the aisle. And and, um, personally, I feel very blessed in my career. I I started as a product development engineer and, and, um, you know, whether it was serendipity or intention uh, is kind of a moot point, I suppose, because it's the way that it happened. But I had, I had bosses, I had mentors, I had managers that that uh, did a good job of building, you know, a, a very functional matrix organization. So even though we had people who are focused on engineering on our team and people who are focused on marketing and regulatory and, and so on and so forth, we were so interactive with one another. We we had a pretty good understanding of of uh, at least enough of an understanding of what the other roles did. So we had some of that exposure, and I think if there's ways for you to be able to create that exposure, I think I think that'll be great. If nothing else, it'll give you an opportunity to to uh, learn what your colleagues are going through, um, because quality is is tough, and regulatory is just as tough, but they're tough for completely different reasons. Absolutely. And uh, you know, it's just um, you know, I, I do encourage people to kind of learn enough about that. And there's plenty of resources. I mean, I know your website has a ton of stuff. Uh, you know, your podcast, your, your blog. I know you have other uh, toolkits and toolboxes, and I, I might not be using the right terms here, but I know you have a lot of assets that people can can uh, consume. You mentioned wraps earlier. I think that's a great place. What other things did you would you encourage people to to go to places to go to, uh, to, to learn a little bit more about these other roles or functions within an organization? Um, that's a great question. I would say to, probably the best resource is to talk to peers internally and try and take them out for lunch, take them out for coffee. And, you know, I think regulatory, regulatory and quality, while they are different and, and they've got different priorities and different objectives, there's also a lot of synergy there. And so, you know, try to find somebody who's doing the role right now. Ask them if you can shadow for a day or even just over coffee, asking, you know, a, a couple of questions that are top of your mind. But one of the things you mentioned that sparked uh, another thought I had is, um, you know, reaching across the aisle and, and, you know, understanding what they do. I think by getting involved a little bit more intricately with some of these cross-functional projects is going to give you a better sense of whether or not that's something you you thought you might be interested in, you're really not, or you truly are, and it'll give you more um, uh, ammunition, so to speak, to to uh, to pursue that that interest. As far as another resource, just in general, a career resource that we've built, you can go to the anthonymichaelgroup.com slash elite career vault. I built a vault of uh, resources exclusively for um uh, technical uh, talent in in medical device or so regulatory quality engineering etc and 
the purpose of the vault was recognizing everybody falls uh, on a spectrum related to their career. And I talked a little bit about it earlier. Some are looking to uh, either ride off into the sunset or do some consulting or take a whole different path. Some need a job yesterday. And some are really content with what they're doing. They're challenged, but they recognize it's not the, the last step. Uh, and so we create a variety of resources, both through video, through audio, through um, live presentation, uh, with so many different facets to your career. Anything from how do you build your candidate value proposition? How do you negotiate your offer? What are these executives saying that they want most on their team? Uh, it's a free resource. And so I encourage you to check that out. Um, but back to your question, you know, how do you learn more? I would think that, and then I would think just following the industry, following what are, what are the major issues? Like right now with, uh, regulatory, everybody's following, uh, what's going on with all these EU MDR changes. Everybody's following what's going on with digital health. Um, uh, what is the FDA doing about, you know, navigating, uh, digital health? So I think trying to follow what's happening in the industry globally, uh, meaning at a high level, both in regulatory or in, in quality, we'll, we'll give you um, an idea as well. Folks, uh, don't worry if you didn't catch that URL. We're going to include the link to that in the uh, text that accompanies the podcast. But if you uh, didn't have a chance to jot that down, it's theanthonymichaelgroup.com slash elite career vault. Uh, I love the, the tidbits on this exclusively for technical talent professionals who want to gain an unfair ethical career advantage. And, and you're targeting this for regulatory quality, folks, but also engineering, R&D, manufacturing, and ops. So lots of great information there. Um, I, I like your point, too. There's, there's, a, there's a ton of really great sources. I mean, I mentioned RAPS. RAPS is good. Uh, there's lots of other blogs that are out there. I mean, we, we have one here at Greenlight Guru that, that does a pretty good job of putting stuff out there. Oh, um, I have to stop you right there. John, you guys do such a fantastic job as far as information and the amount of stuff that you give out uh, at no cost is unbelievable. So if anybody's not checking out, they absolutely need to. Well, thank you. And then uh, I, I am a big fan of LinkedIn, frankly. There's a lot of really great uh, groups that are on LinkedIn uh, people that are having uh, real-time conversations about a hot topics. So engage in those groups as well. Um, just really great insights. So, um, you know, the, the Internet, the age of the Internet, uh, is it's, it's at your fingertips. It's just a few keystrokes away. So uh, no excuse for you not to go get that. And I think it actually makes you, even if you don't want to cross the aisle and, and make a transition from quality to regulatory or what have you, I think being aware of what's happening in, in those different worlds or those different functional areas, I think that's going to make you a better medical device professional. Yeah, think about how much better of a partner you're going to be if you if you understand from uh, your you know the other person's perspective of what they're dealing with and and how much more insight you might be able to provide based on your own expertise. For sure. So. I covered uh, a few questions. Any other closing thoughts or ideas or things that you want to share before we wrap up this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast? Um, well, first of all, I want to thank you. Uh, you're just a natural talent uh, at hosting these. and makes me feel really comfortable, and I, I'm very grateful for you to have me on and just appreciate everything you personally do for the industry as well as uh, Greenlight Guru. And then... Um, I would just encourage people out there. A lot of times people say, you know, in their own careers, I'm, I'm happy. I'm not looking for a change. I'm happy. I'm not looking for a change. 
I would offer up um, some food for thought to say if there was an opportunity that could potentially create an enhancement to your career, uh, you know, would you at least want to know about it? And I would start if, if the answer is yes, then I, and when I say enhancement, I would say personally and or professionally. And if the answer to that is yes, then I would start um, also encouraging you to think, OK, what would that enhancement look like? So that the next time um, opportunity strikes, you at least have had some opportunity to reflect on your own as far as what would that next step be like. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And thank you for for the compliment. It truly is our pleasure. We we take uh, we love providing helpful information to the industry. Uh, our uh, our perspective is that you know we're we're all in this together. Um, we're trying to improve the quality of life. And if there's something that, that I possess or something that one of our gurus at Greenlight Guru possesses based on our experiences, even if it was mistakes that we've made in our past and we can share that with the industry, then uh, it, it's almost our obligation. So we take great pride in that, and, and it, it really is our pleasure. But, um, Mitch, I want, I want to thank you so much. I think this has been really helpful. Folks, even if, um, you know, the last thing that Mitch said, said even if, you know, maybe you're not, um, really at a point where you're looking, I, I think it's just good sage advice to just have your finger on the pulse of what's going on. Uh, I think, you know, education and, and knowledge and information and being a learner is, is really the key to gaining more knowledge and having more knowledge, you know, can, can help you gain more wisdom and, and be a, frankly a more valuable asset, uh, even if you decide to stay put. So, uh, just, um, just, do yourself a favor and and get out there and figure out what's going on and try to understand uh, the nuances and the complexities and, and uh, be a guide for your company. So, Mitch, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to share your, your insights and wisdom and the role that you're in. Again, Mitch Robbins with the Anthony Michael Group. And folks, you know, I hope you know about Greenlight Guru by now. And at the chance that you may not, I would encourage you to go to www.greenlight.guru. You can consume all of our free resources. We have uh, well over 100 episodes of the Global Medical Device Podcast. We have quite a few episodes of the MedTech True Quality Stories. We have a blog where we're publishing content every single week. We've done dozens and dozens of free webinars, and they're all available to you on demand. Uh, those are all the free stuff. And oh yeah, by the way, we do have an EQMS software platform. It's award-winning. It's best in class. It is designed specifically for the medical device industry, and it's been designed by actual medical device professionals. So the only one in the world that can make that statement. So check that out as well. As always, thank you for listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, founder, and VP of Quality at Greenlight Guru, John Spear.